I'm going to do something that I rarely, 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 rarely ever do. Uh, but I'm going to, the message I'm going to preach this morning, we're going to have part one this morning. And then at four o'clock, we're going to do part two. And uh, so I just got so much I want to give you on this subject of some things that we have in Christ. And uh, those two words, so vital, in Christ. In Christ. I want you to look at John, the Gospel of John, and chapter number 10 this morning. By the way, as you're turning, let's be uh, reminded to pray for Alex. Uh, Alex is, I believe, in the air now or will be very shortly flying to the Philippines. Be praying for him. As uh, he travels back and establishes practice uh, there in the Philippines with the endeavor of uh, uh, ministry uh, in some rural areas and sharing Christ as well through that opportunity. But uh, be praying for him. Uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do there. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give. That is a very powerful word. I give. Notice it doesn't say he sells. It says I give. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. And God could have stopped right there and that would have been as far as we think enough. If all God said was they shall never perish, but it went a little further, the Lord says, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And continues in verse 29, my father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And the wonderful verse 30, I and my father are one. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, as we examine, Lord, these exciting things today that we have in Christ. Lord, may we praise you. May we worship you. May we walk in the knowledge of what we have. Lord, may we find our identity as believers in you. Not in what we do, not in what we think of ourselves. But, Lord, and what we have in Christ. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning that does not know that they are in Christ. Lord, how wonderful it is that the gospel is free. Lord, it cost a great price, but you already paid it. Lord, how wonderful it is that the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved from hell, saved to heaven. Lord, I pray this morning as your word goes forth, Lord, as we're reminded of these things, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would convict our hearts. I pray you'd move in my heart. God, help us to see these things this morning that we have in Christ. Lord, thank you for keeping me, sealing me, preserving me. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I pray you'd help me to preach and write your truth. Lord, I pray that your spirit would minister to the hearts as well as the ears of the hearers. And Lord, your will be done. In your precious name, in the name of Jesus, we pray and ask it all. Amen. Some things that I have in Christ. Now, what is it that gives us peace of mind? 
how many of you have at least one security camera of some kind at your house? You know, how many of you have that camera faced at your refrigerator to keep your husband out of it? That's where my wife should put our security camera. Uh, Brother Darren, I remember a few years ago, told me he bought a security camera in his garage. Now, the security camera is not to keep people from stealing his stuff. He wants people to steal his stuff. Uh, the security camera in his garage is so when he gets halfway to work and goes, did I close my garage door? He can pull up the footage and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I closed my garage door. Now, many of us in this day and age, we have some kind of camera somewhere, uh, you know, someplace. And, and that camera, if you will, sometimes gives you that peace of mind. This last year, someone tried to steal my vehicle. And we had some uh, uh, wonderful neighbors that no longer are there. Uh, that uh, caused some issues, and uh, we live in a nice community, but uh, uh, things went south real quick. And I put two cameras up. And I put those cameras up because I wanted some. I wanted to catch them. Uh, I wanted, man, I don't want this to happen again. That was some security. What is our security as believers? Our security is our position in Christ. Amen. Our security is God's promise. I, I can be positive about my future. I, I can be positive because I have that security in Christ. It's very simple. Colossians 2.9 tells us, in Him, in Him, in Jesus, in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I want you to listen to these words, and I'll, I'll read for you from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to write the reference down, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth even in him that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him as His own right hand in the heavenly places and hath raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. Can I tell you that we are what we are as believers because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. How many of you would look at me and say, Pastor Rice, I believe you can fly? How many of you believe that? I'm going to see who's been drinking this morning. You see that hand back there? See that hand back there with Mark? I knew you'd been drinking. I already knew. I smelled your breath a while ago. But... 
Uh, no, that's Wednesday nights we deal with that. But anyway, uh, you know, you look at Pastor Rice. If, if I told John Claren that I could fly, he'd say, Pastor, we should take you to Alberta Hospital, get you checked into a nice room and get you a nice little jacket and uh, take care of you. Now, you look at Pastor Rice and go, Pastor Rice, if any human being can fly, it's not you because you're fat. You're not going to fly. You're not going to get 230 pounds off the air. I, my arms can't flap that fast. But can I tell you that Lord willing and the creek don't rise, a month from now, this body is going to be flying through the air at a couple of hundred miles an hour. So how's that possible? How's it possible? Because I'm going to be in an airplane. Brother Campo, a week from Monday, you are going to be flying. It's a miracle, isn't it? Because he's going to get on an airplane. Praise God, I'm not going to be on an airplane as long as you. But he's going to get on an airplane, him and his beautiful wife, and they're going to fly. Now, the human body can do things inside of an airplane that it cannot do outside of an airplane. Inside that airplane, I can fly. Inside that airplane, I can go hundreds of miles an hour. I can't do that outside of an airplane. Can I tell you this morning, Christian, as we begin and we look throughout the day at this subject, that in Christ, I have things that I can't have out of Christ. In Christ. I love the story Pastor Wilkerson told during our Preachers and Workers Conference as he told about the, the Indian man who had the restaurant and then went back to India and he would call Pastor Wilkerson and say, oh, and put on video call like this is this is." Uh, this person and this person, and he's speaking English, and the folks there uh, in India, they didn't understand the English he was speaking, and he would say, yeah, this is so-and-so. Uh, he, he's in Christ. Uh, this is, no, no, she, she's not in Christ. Uh, he's in Christ. Now, can I tell you that if you are in Christ, by the way, I am in Christ only one way, by grace through faith, but when I am in Christ, I have some things. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of who He is. And when I am in Christ, I receive some things and have some things not in my power. Just like when I fly on that airplane, as I'm flying through the air, not my power, the power of the airplane. Your life as a believer this morning, if you're a Christian, in Christ there are some things that you have, some things that I have because I am in Christ. Number one, I'm going to look at five things this morning and then five things this afternoon. But number one, I have an atonement. I have an atonement that cannot be recompensed. Now, let me, just, let me give some definitions here so we can break down a little bit of the teaching. The word atonement means to forgive, to pardon, to cleanse. I've been forgiven. I've been pardoned. I've been cleansed if I'm in Christ. That word recompense, not a word we use often in our culture today, but it means payment for return of something given. So if you will this morning, my forgiveness, what do I have in Christ? I have a forgiveness, a pardon, that cannot be recompensed. 
The Bible tells me, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. I want you to write down the references. We're not going to have time to turn to all of it. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 says, For it is not possible. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. By the way, if it were possible, why did Jesus come? If when Aaron made sacrifice, if that was enough to take away sin, pray tell me, why did Jesus Christ come, born of a virgin? Why did he live heaven? Why did he come to this earth, this cruel world, to be hated and despised and murdered on the cross of Calvary? Because it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. Once for all. By the way, he's not on that cross. By the way, we don't put him on that cross every day. He's off of it. He's, he's not in the tomb either. He's gone. I heard a preacher preach yesterday, a preacher from years ago, Dr. B.R. Lakin. Dr. B.R. Lakin is a preacher who was born in West Virginia many, many years ago. I, lo- I used to love to hear Dr. Lakin preach. He passed away in the 80s. He's been in heaven for a lot of years. And as I heard Brother Lakin talk about uh, yesterday as he was preaching about Christ. What a powerful, powerful thought. Uh, once for all, Jesus paid the price one time. But it goes on there to say in Hebrews 10, 12, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Aaron had to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Why it wasn't enough? How many of you have teenagers? How many have teenage sons? Put your hands up. How many of you with teenage sons, Archie, if you feed him today, is he going to be hungry tomorrow? Probably five minutes later, right? I mean, Bon, you, you probably want to eat at least three or four times today, right? I think Bon can out-eat me, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm, I'm positive of that. Man, teenagers, they just, they have bottomless pits called stomachs. You feed them, and you got to feed them again, and you feed them, and you got to feed them again. They're almost as bad as husbands. Amen, ladies? Aaron had to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. Why? Because it didn't do it. It was a picture. It was God's picture. But when Jesus died, it, was, it paid the price. It was done. It was finished. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of his generation, renewing the Holy Ghost. Atonement, that word means that as believers, and it's a Bible word. That's why I want to use it this morning. Atonement means that as believers, I will never again be held responsible or judged for my sin. It's been atoned for. It's been paid for. Now does that mean, oh man, that means I can just go commit whatever sin I want. No, understand you know, many today, if some horrible thing, tragic accident happens, I think of the tragic earthquake, the earthquakes that happened in Turkey, and I've been much in prayer for those dear folks, many still looking for loved ones, many still being dug out of the rubble, and how horrible, how tragic. But sadly, in, in situations like that, many will take advantage and say, oh, now I can just break into the stores, and I can take what I want, and I, there's nothing, no one's going to find out. That principle, that thought is not to be carried over in the thought of my sin paid for once for all. Rather, it is a wonderful thing to realize that it is cared for. 
it, it, I, don't, I can't pay for it again. It, it's finalized. My, my sins have been atoned for. I will never taste death without the assurance of living ever again. Ever again. One day I will die. But can I tell you when I die, I will not be dead. <laughs> I will be alive. I'll be alive forevermore. I remember when my grandmother passed away several years ago and I, I flew home. and I was there with my mom and my aunts and uncles at the viewing. As folks came through for a few hours at the funeral home, hundreds of people. Almost every person that came by me as I stood there with my mother, my mother's mother lay in that casket, her body. She wasn't there. She was in the presence of Jesus. Many people would shake my hand and say, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Now, I know I should probably have a little better people skills than this. But when people would say that, I would say, well, number one, I'd say, I haven't lost anything. I know where she's at. Or I would say, I'm not sorry. I said, I'm mad at her. She's already in heaven, and here I am down here talking to you. Now, can I tell you that I have an assurance that I will never face death. The finality of death as a believer. Death is nothing more than a door. A door to the eternal. And how wonderful the atonement. 2 Timothy 1.10 But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death. It doesn't say abolished dying. Dying and death are two different things. He hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For years and years and years, for hundreds of years, man has been seeking a way to have eternal life. Ponce de Leon sought for a place with water that would give him eternal life and eternally young. How sad it is that he and many others have spent their life seeking for that water, when the water of life that Jesus spoke about at the well with the Samaritan woman is still available to all today. The water that will make you never thirst again, the water of life. I have an atonement that cannot be recompensed. You know, Jesus Christ didn't just overcome death. He abolished it. He abolished it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. What do I have in Christ? What do you have in Christ, believer? If you're a Christian this morning, if there's been a time when you trusted Christ your Savior, what do you have? You have an atonement that cannot be recompensed. You can't pay for it. By the way, if you try to pay for it, you're trying to institute work salvation. It's impossible. It's a gift. It's a gift. You take away grace and faith out of the equation when I say, okay, what's it cost? I'll pay for it. When I was a little boy, I had a Boston Terrier dog. His name was Rex. A few months after we got him, we were living in Gillette, Wyoming. And Gillette, Wyoming is where I got saved as a young boy. But I remember one day a man drove through the trailer park we lived in. We lived in a, a camper. My dad worked construction. We traveled across the country. Very, very nice uh, trailer park there. It was 
the nicest one I think I've ever seen in my life. We lived in there when I was five, and we lived in some other ones that weren't so nice, but it was beautiful. And this guy drove by, and he saw our dog, our Boston Terrier dog, and he was marked perfectly. He had, he had the markings that everyone wants in a dog. He was uh, registered, AKC, Boston Terrier. Beautiful dog. And he stopped. He came to the door of our house and knocked on the door. My mom came out. I was five years old. My sister was three. I remember him talking to my mom. said, I, I want to buy your dog. You name the price. My mom said, it's not for sale. He said, ma'am, I said, you, you name your price. I want to buy your dog. He thought he could wave enough money and he could have that dog. He drove away, and we still had a dog. We were poor, but we had the dog. <laughs> you can wave whatever good works you want in front of God. You can't pay for salvation. You can't pay for it. But in Christ, in Christ, we have an atonement that cannot be recompensed. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't buy it, and it cannot be obtained apart from Christ. It's the only place you can get it. By the way, you can't get it from a church. You can't get it from a religion. Only from Christ. There will never be a sales price or a bargain price on salvation because the price was already paid. You can't find it at a garage sale or get it from somebody else. It's an atonement that cannot be recompensed. Number two, what else do you have in Christ? We have an acceptance, and I love this. We have an acceptance that will never be refused. An acceptance that will never be refused. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us acceptable in the Beloved. Christian, we have a hard time accepting ourselves sometimes. But can I tell you, when you were placed in Christ, He made you acceptable. He made you acceptable. You were accepted in Him. When God accepts the believer in Him, will never be refused. Never be refused. I have an acceptance that will never be taken away. Matthew 11 tells us in verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and to destroy. I am come, they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Romans 2. Romans 2, verse 11 said, There is no respect of persons with God. Amen. Can I tell you what some religious people believe? Some, by the way, who would deem themselves much more religious than you, much more knowledgeable than you. They that would esteem themselves, I believe, some of them smarter than God. That I met some of those people. Those, those that have decided that they know more than everybody else, even God and the Word of God. Those that would try to correct the word of God. So what God really meant here. There are many that would say no. 
you know, there are only a select few that God will accept. They're, they're only, you know, God's going to go, okay, uh, duck, duck, goose, okay, I'll just pick you. Uh, I want you. No, I don't want you. I, yeah, no, yes, no. There are those that would say, you know, God will only accept a few people. In other words, if Josh, my son-in-law, if he, if he was not accepted in, in the thinking of these quasi-religious people, you know, he, he's not accepted. If Josh came to God and said, uh, and, and, and asked the Lord for salvation, the Lord would say, no, I don't want you. A few years ago, Josh came here to the building. We were doing construction. He called me the day before and said, hey, I want to talk to you. Brother Krim, I knew what he wanted to talk to me about. She's about this tall, has blonde hair. Well, used to have blonde hair. And he wanted to know if he could date her. And he came to talk to me, asked me about courting my daughter. I don't know what he thought, Brother Jim. I don't, I don't know if he thought I was going to punch him in the nose or... <laughs> I'm sure he's wondering, man, I wonder if he's going to accept. <laughs> Can I tell you that God, the Bible says, I will in no wise cast out. This idea that, you know, God has respect for this person, not this person. And, you know, as long as you know, the Bible says whosoever. Amen. That word's a wonderful word, whosoever. Whosoever. Would you turn to John 14 with me? I want to read several verses to you still, but I want you to look at this verse. I want you to see the truth of it. Don't miss it. An acceptance that will never be refused. John 4, verse 14. But, would you read it out loud with me this morning? But, whosoever... Drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice the second word there, whosoever. Whosoever. Whosoever will. Acts 4 tells us to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth. In him shall receive remission of sins. I could take time this morning to turn to Romans 10, 13. I could turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. We could look at Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. And over 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 in Scripture. The Bible is plain whosoever. The devil is a master deceiver. The devil gets you to believe, oh, God won't accept you. You know, if you come to him and ask him, he's going to say, no, no way. I, I don't want you. I reject you. But can I tell you that you have an acceptance in Christ that will never be refused. Never, ever, ever be refused. Whosoever is all-inclusive. You know, a person doesn't have to be a rocket surgeon. Is that what it is, a rocket surgeon? Rocket scientist, brain surgeon, brain scientist. One of those things. I can't remember. You don't have to be any of those things to understand the word whosoever will. Whosoever will. An acceptance that will never be refused.
By the way, when you come to Christ, He'll receive you. And once you are in Christ, you're never refused. Years ago, my dad was played college football. His college football team was traveling on the road to an away game. They stayed at a hotel, and the hotel they stayed in had an all-you-could-eat breakfast. How many of you like all-you-can-eat breakfast? Ms. Lois, remember Shoney's breakfast? Oh, man, I like we should drive to Shoney's today, you and I, and go for breakfast. Probably the closest one's 2,000 miles away. But had an all-you-could-eat breakfast bar included with the room. So my dad and all the guys from the football team went down to the breakfast. This was back in the early 70s. In the early 70s, you know, the, the athletes, you know, they, they didn't eat quite the same as athletes eat today. Back in the early 70s, you know, my dad took all the guys down. They went and gorged themselves on pancakes because, uh, you know, you, they, they thought you had to get all the carbs you could get. And when they had home games, the, the college would make spaghetti for them, Brother Mike, and feed them as much spaghetti as they could eat. And, but they went down, and my dad and all the linemen, my dad's a defensive tackle and offensive tackle, and they went down and they hammered that breakfast buffet. They won the game. A little while later, the college he attended, Glenville State College, received a bill from the hotel. The bill from the hotel was for an amount that that hotel deemed those men ate above and beyond what they considered an all-you-can-eat buffet. They literally charged the college more money because they said, your guys ate too much food. Now, hold on. If it's all you can eat, it should be all you can eat. But they had to pay extra because, hold on a minute, <laughs> you just took too much. Can I tell you with God, there's no hidden fees. There's nothing. Oh, oh you did that? You had that thought? Oh, you mean you have this in your past? Oh, no. You got to go. I have an acceptance that will never be refused. Number three this morning, in Christ, I have an assurance. I have an assurance that can never be revoked. Amen. An assurance that can never, ever, ever, ever be revoked. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. The Bible is pretty plain about that. It goes on in verse 13 in the same passage. Say, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. That ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I've had people ask me, Pastor, how can you know? How, how can you be so certain that when this life's over, you're going to heaven? I wish I could say this is a very... <laughs> limited time event that's only happened once in my life, but there's been a few times in my life where I thought I was dying. At least three different times that I was, well, four, maybe five. I live a dangerous life. But honestly, there's been three or four, maybe five times where I, I thought my life was over. 
I remember one time waking up in the middle of the night several years ago, and I woke up, I couldn't breathe, I tightened the chest, and I couldn't talk. I remember laying there thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm dying. I didn't know what was wrong. I just was pretty sure this, this is it. I faced some situations where I thought I was going to be taking my last breath on earth. And I'll be real honest with you, at every time that's happened, I've never thought, oh, man, I hope I make it. Oh, God, I hope I'm okay. Why? I have the assurance. I know that I know that I know if my eyes close in death here, I'll wake there. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Not because I, I'm so good or not because I have such a great reputation with God. Can I tell you what my reputation is with God? I'm a sinner. That's my reputation with God. It's not my reputation I'm counting on. It's His reputation. I have an assurance that cannot be revoked. I can know. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible doesn't say I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee unless, unless you do that. But that's what we think. That's what the devil tries to get us to believe. The devil wants us to believe that God is not powerful enough to keep us saved. Why? Because he wants you to live defeated. He wants us to not be effective for Christ. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath temporary life. No. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. It's pretty simple. John 10.29, our text we read a bit ago and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. No man. No man. Including you. Including you. By the way, including a church. Including a man that dresses like a mother and calls himself a father. Including a Baptist preacher. No man can pluck you out of my hand. By the way, no sin that a man, including yourself, can commit. When I am in Christ, the Bible says that I am in Him, and He is in the Father. He said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. And then He said, the Father which gave them me is greater than I. Years ago, some of you may know the name, the last name. How many of you know who the Gracies are, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Some of you know that name in fighting. My son-in-law and daughter in Jiu-Jitsu. Matter of fact, if you notice Josh walking around like this, it's because Rebecca heard him the other night. Now, supposedly it was somebody else, but I think it was Rebecca. But in that world, some of you that know that world a bit know the name Gracie. Back years ago, there were several Gracies who did not fight. They had some Gracies that fought that nobody could beat, so they didn't even fight the other people. Why? Because they were better. Like, if you can't beat this guy, how are you going to beat this one? It's just not going to happen. Can I tell you that no man can pluck him out of his hand, and he and the Father are one. The Father is greater than him. Can I tell you that I am secure in Christ? Christian, may we get settled and understand that we are secure. 
Nobody. Not ourself, not a religion, not a person, not a thing, not a sin, not a relationship. Nothing Amen. can separate us. I am secure in Christ. I have an assurance that cannot be revoked. We have an assurance that will never be revoked. Number four. What do we have in Christ? Number four, we have an abundance. An abundance that will never be realized. An abundance that will never be realized. We have an abundant life. The Bible tells us in John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I remember years ago, our pastor, Pastor Don McQueen, man responsible for helping me and mentoring me as a young man. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. I'm sure of that. Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ, but humanly speaking, Pastor McQueen had a huge impact on my life. They were at our home for a meal, as was often the case when I was a boy growing up. And my mom said to Pastor McQueen, Pastor McQueen was a big man from Alabama, Miss Lois, and said, Preacher, would you like some dessert? And I remember Preacher saying, yeah, Miss Janice, just a little piece. Just a little piece. My mom cut a piece of cake or whatever it was and brought that to Pastor McQueen, and it was, a, it was about that big. <laughs> and I remember... My pastor saying to my mom, Miss Janice, I said I wanted a little piece. And my dad said, Preacher, that is her little piece. That is her little piece. Can I tell you the life that God has for you is not a little life. It's not a life that barely makes it. It is an abundant life. It's an abundant life. It's so abundant that you'll never find the end of it. Yesterday we were having our men's prayer breakfast and had a sweet time. Brother Krim shared his testimony, uh, how he got saved out of hard drugs. and all. No, I'm kidding. He shared his testimony, how he came to Christ. By the way, I was impressed as Brother Krim shared his testimony, the importance of the Word of God. Somebody gave him a Bible. Now that Bible wasn't immediate. He didn't immediately get saved, but he had that Bible, the Word of God, and eventually received God's Word. But yesterday at our breakfast, as we're sharing a meal together beforehand, we had some toast. I said, do we want some peanut butter for the toast? And I think Tim said, yeah, we'll get some peanut butter. I said, okay, grab the peanut butter. Brother Eric, you, you'll testify. I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching. I'm telling the truth. Uh, our peanut butter bucket back there is about that big. I mean, it takes three men and a boy to pick that peanut butter up. You look at that peanut butter and you go, man, you could never get to the end of that peanut butter. Man, if Jesus doesn't come back for 20 years, Brother Krim, we'll still have peanut butter. <laughs> That's a lot of peanut butter. But you take somebody that really likes peanut butter, if they eat peanut butter every day, eventually they'd find the bottom of that bucket. They'd be bigger than Pastor Rice when they were done, but they'd find the bottom of that bucket. But I will never find the end of God's abundance. Ever. I have abundant life. I have abundant grace. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace 
all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound every good work. That, that verse right there, if you could get a hold of that Christian, it would transform your life. All grace, abundant grace. We sing the song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It is amazing, and it's abundant, and it's enough that all grace abounds. That's a concentrated effort. All grace abound towards you. Over and above, the Bible says. Suppose that we could capture in our world today all the power from all the electric grids in all the world. We could capture all of that power in one place. We would say that is unlimited power. Imagine that. But can I tell you that that power would be nothing to the power of my God. To the power of His provision, abundant life, abundant grace, and His abundant power. Ephesians tells us in chapter 3 and verse 20, Now unto him, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. By the way, remember the illustration about the airplane? Next month when I go flying through the air, it won't be my power. It'll be the power of the airplane. It's his power. He's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, way above our understanding. All power and abundance that we could never reach the end of. We could never find the bottom of the bucket. An abundant supply. Philippians 4.19, but my God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, your physical need, your emotional need, financial need, your need for pleasure and enjoyment in life. Can I tell you that God can meet all your needs? Oh, does that mean God's going to give me a new car tomorrow? If you go buy one. Uh, does that mean I'm, I'm going well, to have that million dollars? I'm going to have that house? No. Your need. Your need. Your need. Psalm 37 says, I've been young. The psalmist said, I've been young and now am I old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a pot of oil. And that oil never ran out. How many of you wish you had a gas tank like that in your car? Well, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Man, you fill it one time and just never runs out of gas. I know you're not going to believe this, and that's okay. You don't have to believe me. Years ago, we were at Camp Joy. You girls remember the time we had no gas and drove for a couple hours? I hand on the Bible. I had an old 1975 Ford Super Camper Special pickup truck, extended cab. Had a big 12-foot Vanguard truck camper on the back. That truck and camper was made the same year that I was made. It fared life better than I fared life. It looked better than me. And we were leaving Camp Joy, and 
we went the back way out of Camp Joy, and as we're going home, I realized it had, it had a, a tank selector. One of the tanks had been removed. There was only one gas tank in the truck, so the tank selector, you, you know, you couldn't switch to the tank because there was no tank. It was just one tank. And I saw the needle of the truck. I watched it as it was almost on empty. And we were driving north from Big Valley. If you've ever driven in that part of the country, there's nothing there. I mean, nothing. And as we're driving, I, I said to my wife, I said, we're going to run out of gas. She was not excited about that proposition. I told the story this morning about running out of gas. And today, you think I run out of gas all the time. And I said, we got to pray that God will help us get to the gas station. Our girls, just little at the time. Years and years ago, I think we had maybe, uh, was Josh Dino with us? I can't remember. It was just our family. We might have had somebody with us from camp. And we prayed, Lord, help us get to the gas station. I'm not sure when we ran out of gas, but I am sure we ran out of gas long before we got to the gas station. Uh, the first time a 390 FE big block has ever run on no gas. And we made it uh, somehow by the mercy of God, the miracle of God. We made it there, and we got filled up on gas. But I was sure wishing I had a second tank. I was sure wishing that tank, I could have flipped the lever and we had a tank there. So often we think that there's just not enough provision in our life, but God provides abundant supplies. You know, oftentimes as Christians, we never experience the joy of abundance of God because we don't trust God. We trust ourselves. We trust ourselves. There was a little boy who had a lunch with some fish and some bread. A little boy said to one of the disciples, here, take this to Jesus. I'm okay. I, I, I ate this morning. But maybe there's somebody who hasn't eaten yet. Here, give this to Jesus. Maybe he can use it. And Jesus took that little boy's lunch. And he fed thousands of people. By the way, the little boy got to eat that day. They ate all they wanted to eat. When it was all done, they gathered up the scraps. And there was 12 baskets left. How could the Lord take this and feed so many? Because He is our abundance. He is the abundance. We are in Him. We have an abundance that will never be realized. And lastly, this morning... Number five, we have an alliance. I love this thought. I love this this morning. We have an alliance that cannot be rescinded. Would you turn to Romans chapter 5 with me? Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2 this morning here. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith. How do you get in Christ? By faith. By faith. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Notice that peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory can I tell you dear friend this morning can I be very honest with you and very transparent 
Can I tell you something that may offend you this morning? But if it offends you, I, I don't seek to offend you to hurt your feelings. I seek to share truth that will help you this morning. Can I tell you what your condition is before God? If you never accepted Him, the Bible says we were an enemy of God. The Apostle Paul, the great missionary, the great preacher, when he met the Lord on that road that day to Damascus, Paul, Paul, I persecute thou me. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, Paul. Paul was an enemy of Christ. He was an enemy of all those of the way, the followers of Jesus Christ. How could he go from being an enemy of Christ to at the end of his life being willing to lay down his head and give his life for that same Jesus? Because Paul had an alliance. He was once an enemy. Once an enemy, but now an alliance that could not be rescinded. Can I read a text to you quickly? Colossians 1.21, and you, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. as a powerful verse. How many of you can remember back all the way to, to elementary school? Maybe you remember that. Miss Lois, you, did they have elementary schools back then? She rode her dinosaur there, got off. You remember back to elementary school? What are you laughing at, Jim? You rode the same dinosaur. And, you know, in elementary school, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Remember, remember hearing that? Everybody said that to Jerice. They still do. Uh, now, girls, I noticed when, when, girls, when girls fought, and they, they hold grudges a long time, Miss Lois. There's probably some little girl that got mad at you in grade three that's still mad at you right now. Well, what boys normally do. Brother Eric, I watch the boys. They go out, and they fight, beat each other up. Blood flies out of their nose, out of their ears. They get 16 stitches. They hate each other. But after that, they're best friends for life. At one time, they were enemies. Now they're friends. Can I tell you that you and I were enemies of Christ before we came to Him? By the way, that, that enmity was not because God didn't love us. It was because we rejected Him. But once we are in Christ, we're never, ever removed. I have an alliance, a closeness that can never be taken away and never, never removed from me. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. As I mentioned before, you got saved, you're an enemy of God. But now we have an alliance. An alliance that is eternal. As I close this morning, can I ask you a question? As we talk about all these wonderful things, and we're going to look at five more things tonight, and we can look at five more things every Sunday for the rest of time. As we can see so many things. 
that we have in Christ. But the most important question that every person needs to answer, are you in Christ? Next month when I fly to the U.S. for pastor's conference and I get on that airplane, I'm going to get on the plane alone. My wife and my daughter are going to stay here. I'll get on the plane, I'll fly, they'll stay. Now I'm coming back. I'll just be gone for a week and I'm coming home to be with them. But the sad thing is there are many here this morning that are in Christ and your family's not in Christ. I think of Brother Bonnie and Miss Chris. When they got saved, they got married. By the way, they just celebrated their nine-year nine wedding anniversary. Ten years ago this last week, Brother Bonnie got saved. Brother Bonnie and Miss Chris trusted Christ. When they got saved, their family was lost. But praise God, in the last ten years, Brother Bonnie's mom, Brother Bonnie's dad got saved. Miss Chris's mom, and now... Her dad trusted Christ. They're in Christ together. You see, when this life is over, you're not coming back. It's not like my trip to the U.S. where I'm going and coming. It's one way. Are you in Christ? Do you have family members that are not in Christ? If so, the thing that should be in the forefront of your mind and your heart should be getting the Lord Jesus Christ, getting them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in Christ? If not this morning, can I tell you the most wonderful news? The greatest news that man has ever heard. God loves you. God left heaven, became flesh, and dwelt amongst us and died because he loved you so much. Because he loved you so much. And he didn't just die, he was buried and he rose again to pay your debt. And he said, whosoever, that's any person in this room, whosoever, will may come. Would you come to Christ this morning? Christian, if you're in Christ, would you realize what you have? Would you relish in it and, and praise the Lord for what we have? May we pray together this morning. Lord, thank you this morning the wonderful truths of this blessed book that we can delve into. So many wonderful things that we have in Christ today. Lord, before we begin our time of invitation, Lord, I pray. Lord, if there be even one here that knows you not as Savior, one that would say that they're not in Christ as of yet, Lord, I pray before this invitation is over, before this day is done, Lord, that they would believe the gospel and they would believe and receive, calling on you today. Lord, I pray for believers here this morning, Lord, that we would truly see what we have in Christ, that we would see our identity, not in who we are, but who you are. Lord, would you work in hearts and lives this morning. Lord, help us to realize the importance of us being in you and what we have because of that. 
Lord, would you work now? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Royce, would you come lead us in a song of invitation? Let's stand together and sing uh, number 301, Only Trust Him, hymn number 301. close in prayer can I tell you that he will that song we sung is more than just words it's truth if you're here this morning so pastor I no I'm not in Christ I want to be I need to be I remember when I came to the understanding that I was lost and without Christ I remember when I realized the gospel was true and it was for me I'm so glad I made the decision to trust him with simple childlike faith. That's you this morning. Before you leave this morning, would you see myself or talk to my wife or one of these men or ladies here and just say, hey, I, I want to get it settled. I want to be in Christ. I want to trust him. How wonderful that would be to get that settled once for all. Praise God for the gospel. I'm going to ask Brother Cram, would you close us in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, again, Lord, we're so overwhelmed by, Lord, your mercy and your love for us. And we're thankful, Father, for all that we do have in Jesus Christ, Lord. And thank you most of all, Lord, for the promise of heaven, Lord, for eternal life. And, Lord, again, if someone's here who does not know for sure, Lord, where they're going when they die, Lord, would you get that settled this morning? And, Lord, uh, we just thank you again, Lord loved us, Lord, while we were unlovable, and you sought us, Lord, while we could not be and seeking after you, Lord. We thank you for your abundant mercy and grace, and Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather here, Lord. We thank you that you were here with us and not away from us, Lord, and I know you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. So thankful for the many mercies and grace, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, one day we'll see you face to face, Lord, and we look forward to that day. Lord, we pray you come soon.